And now, deep thoughts. You are listening to the Deep Thoughts Podcast, where each and every episode explores one aspect of the Christian faith a little more deeply. I'm your host, Matt Schantz. This episode is about porn and the damaging effect it has on our brains, souls, and relationships. We address spouses harmed by porn, parents trying to navigate the digital world with their kids, and we provide a blueprint for recovery for those battling porn addiction. We also talk about how the gospel provides forgiving grace to wash us clean and empowering grace to help us fight sin like porn in our lives. My guest is Dave Curry. He is the founder and president of Doing Family Right, which seeks to help people maximize their most important relationships, marriage, family, and God. Doing Family Rights ministry includes live seminars, all sorts of great resources on their website, a counseling center, and recovery groups. You know, on the one hand, the the porn industry is massive. In the United States alone, it generates more revenue than CBS, NBC, and ABC combined, and more than all professional football, baseball, and basketball franchises. Worldwide, it generates roughly a hundred billion dollars annually. On the other hand, while porn is rampant, addictive, and often a secret struggle, especially in church circles, it's not all bad news. A Christianity Today article by Lyman Stone in 2019 entitled, Conservative Protestant Men Are Still Resisting Porn, reveals that religiously observant Protestants are experiencing a vastly lower rate of pornography use. Christians who attend church regularly statistically view porn less. Said another way, there's hope for those addicted to porn. Victory over this sin is possible. I hope this conversation gives you a full-orbed view of how porn harms and that hope and victory are possible. Thanks for joining me. Let's get started. Well, thanks for coming on my podcast, Dave. <laughs> so good to be here. So good. I, I got to start by telling an embarrassing story Uh-oh. about me, not oh, you. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, I went out golfing with you a couple summers ago, I think. Yeah, that was embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> and Tim Clausen was there, the yep. pastor from Abbotsford. Yeah. And we're golfing. And I, I had these shoes that were a gift that had been given to me. They were these golf shoes. Local company, won't go named. I think we were like nine holes in and my feet were just like killing me. Yeah. My golf game was terrible, but my feet were killing me. Mm-hmm. That was my main concern. And uh, I think we got to like the, the 14th hole and I was just, I couldn't do it anymore. I, and so you guys were like, just take off your shoes. So I walked barefoot for like the last five holes. Yeah. Terrible golf game. Yeah. You guys looked the part, played the part. <laughs> I was hacking away and then walking barefoot for the last like number of fairways. Just like, yeah. this is the worst. Yeah, that's a that's a treasured golf game. Just to <laughs> keep in my back pocket where I can remind you to keep you humble. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I had actually quite a nice couple of games this this last summer. But oh, that's good. You that's weren't good. there to see them. Got to redeem those. Yeah. While we were while we were uh, golfing, you were talking about a trip you went on, like a golf trip. Yeah, actually, uh, Tim and I were on it together. There were six of us went to Ireland. That's unreal. And uh, it was, uh, for me, a trip of a lifetime to golf. Three of the uh, nine courses we golfed on were uh, top 25 in the world. And, uh, wow. And so it was... Um, you know, and and Tim and I, of the six, uh, were were the two like plus eighteen handicap. Right, uh, <laughs> these other guys are sevens so and elevens, uh. and and uh, but we we had a lot of fun and just a really good fellowship and uh, and just seeing some beautiful country and yeah, it was it was it was a great time. Golf is a humbling game. Oh, it is. It is because you're is. playing against yourself. It is terribly humbling. You're not really playing against others. You're just no no trying to make a shot. You don't make it. Have you ever lost a club because you? 
or have you ever needed to replace a club? Uh, because yes, you, threw actually, it in, you threw it in the lake after no, or you, no, you broke no, it? No, uh, but I, I, I broke a club. <laughs> Out okay. of anger? Well, no. <laughs> no, actually, uh, if I think, the, the one, it was a five iron, and I went to hit it, and, and I struck the ball, but the club head went 80 yards in the same direction as the ball. Uh, but literally, I'm holding a stick with no, yeah. n- no uh, you know, iron at the bottom, and it was, it was uh, some kind of fault. I don't know what it was, but it was, uh, it was uh, plenty ugly. That's fantastic. And so you have four kids, I think. Four kids, yeah. All married? Yeah, all married. How many grandkids? Uh, 13 grandkids. Uh, I'm a millionaire uh, because uh, all my family can sit with their feet under the same table and love each other. That yeah. makes me a millionaire. That's the gift. And uh, and so, uh, yeah, I'm close to my kids and my in-law kids and uh, 13 beautiful grandkids. Um, and just uh, that uh, that's, a, that's a gift. That's a gift. What do they call you? Grandpa, Papa. They call me. They call me Jeepa. I'm actually made that name up. <laughs> uh, I did the letter G and then P A. Why? Because yeah. I don't look like a grandpa. I never uh, did. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, so yeah, I mean, yeah. I was think fifty fifty one when I became a grandfather, and uh, and uh, I didn't want to be you know Papa, Grandpa, Grandfather. So I it was very interesting because I chose Jeepa just to be unique. Okay, you're Jeepa. The letter G P A, and uh, uh, friends of mine were really good friends with Michael W. Smith, the singer. And the last time he was in Abbotsford, they got me behind the you know stage pass to meet Michael personally. And we were talking, and he and I both at the time had our first grandchild. Oh wow! And you know what he calls himself? G Daddy. So so we were we were howling because he's a southern, right? So you know, granddaddy would be normal, yeah, right? We yeah. don't do that up here, granddaddy. But but he became G Daddy and I was G Pot. Well, we high-fived and we laughed because we just thought we were the coolest because he's the only one in his mind that was G Daddy, and I'm the only one in my mind that was G and uh and so we howled and so uh, that was a fun moment too. Emily's parents didn't didn't love the idea of like the traditional grandparent mm-hmm. names either. Their their grandparent names are uh, I think they take the cake. So um, Emily's dad is kind of like a wilderness man. Mm-hmm. He's pretty gruff. Mm-hmm. He's a manly man. Mm-hmm. He's not grandpa. He's grumpy. So he's just called. <laughs> and so the boys just call him Grumps now. Yeah, Grumps. They mean it with the most respect. Totally. He's Grumps. Yeah. Uh, Emily's mom gave herself the name Nanny Goat. Come on. But now the boys just call her Goaty. Come so it's on. like Grumps and Goaty are coming oh. over. It's the weirdest thing. <laughs> People look at us strange, like, or they look at the boys strange, like, what? Why are you calling Who are they? That? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's stuck, is what yeah, it is. It's pretty yeah. fun. That's good. That's, That's beautiful. Good. We're going to talk a little bit more about your ministry uh, later on, but just to set the table, we're going to talk about porn in yeah. this episode. Um, mm-hmm. Why would I talk to you about porn? Just talk a sure. little bit about your ministry. Sure, sure. Well, I think... Uh, A lot of people that uh, work with uh, men and couples who battle with porn in their life or marriage, uh, they have their own story about recovery. And uh, and and I've been wondering, because I will go to a conference, like, uh, you know, about six years ago, I was down in uh, whole Carolina area, and, and there was 800 people from around the world putting our heads and hearts together of how to help the church with the problem of pornography and life and marriage and how it's destroying so many people because it's accessibility and everything. And, uh, and, and, and I found in that group of 800 that there was about 40 to 50 of us that didn't have a direct story related to porn. And I'm thinking, well, what the heck am I doing here, right? Because a lot of people, it's a recovery story. For me, because uh, I, I, I've always been known as being the straight shooter guy, like I don't beat around the bush. So I can go back to my earliest years of ministry. Uh, this is back in the 70s. And, and, and I would be talking openly about things people would never talk about. Like I talk about how to conquer the lust monster. Well, are you going to talk about that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> And and so I've always been kind of, even the tape ministry I had back in the cassette tape era, my tape ministry was called In Your Face Ministries, okay? So, so you get the feel. And so I think what's happened is God has opened the door for me to have a ministry into hard areas of people's lives because I'm not afraid to go there and talk. Now, I tell the man, I said, look, I may not have a recovery story of looking at porn and, you know, that kind of struggle, but I said... I think I could be an editor playboy because because I have a creative mind and I've always been really good at the lust side. I don't need magazines. I can, I can, I can, I'm a lustaholic, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and so if I don't walk circumspectly, if I don't walk wise, if I don't watch my eyes and my heart, 
I can be looking and scoping and checking out people like everybody else. And so, so just because I don't have a story of being online looking at porn doesn't mean I haven't had to battle with the, uh, the lust problem. Hmm. And to keep my eyes pure and my mind pure. And so just like, you know, that beautiful verse out of, uh, I love Job 31, 1, where it says, uh, Job said, and this is the very oldest book in the Bible that we have record of. And here's a man who centuries ago, like maybe 4,000 years ago said, I made a covenant with my eyes yep. not to look lustfully at a young woman. Curry did too. Hmm. Even when I was teaching college as a young professor at 26, and of course, you know, girls 18 to 22 are in their prime, right? That's that's pretty nice season of life. And I want you to know something. I made a covenant with the Lord that I would not entertain in my mind any kind of controversial before Jesus thought with any of my students that would only focus on my wife, Donna Lynn, hmm. and I will not cross that line in my mind. And because you draw that line in your mind and won't go there in your mind, what happens is you likely will never be in some door of a bedroom with somebody. Yeah. Because an affair doesn't start in the door of, of a house. It starts in the so windows of your mind. Way before. Way before, yeah. yeah. So there's my story. There's my story. Yeah, and, and I, I look forward to this conversation a lot. You're such a great resource for this. You did uh, kind of give your age away there by talking about your tape ministry, though. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm being honest. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, starting just really practically, um, there's not many people that would argue that porn's good for you. Mm. In fact, like statistics are, are coming, neuroscience. Mm -hmm. um, there's websites like Fight the New Drug yep. that talk about the fact that like, what porn does is it essentially gives you like a dopamine rush, yes. like you would get with cocaine. Yes, yes. Um, actually stronger than cocaine, and and it, and it does stuff to your brain. Totally, and it changes that. Um, can you just talk a little bit? Pick up on any of these categories you want, but yes. porn's negative effects. Yeah, yeah. when it yeah. physical, emotional, relational, spiritual yeah. effect. So, what does so it do to us? I I want you to first of all, uh, listeners need to pick up on the fact that. Extra-biblical, non-Christian sources are saying, get off porn. There's at least two sites in the U.S. put together by non-believers, but people in their 20s are warning young people, get off porn. Why? Okay, uh, we should have said uh, this is for audience 13 and over, but, but the point is this. Um, they're saying get off porn because if you get so addicted to porn early, you will not be able to enjoy healthy sex with a real person. You will not be able to do three-dimensional sex because you're on a two-dimensional screen and a self-absorbed thing. And so they have, they have these sites basically coaching men, please get off Porn. There's a wonderful one called um, yourbrainonporn.org, and it has a real core of what it does to people uh, as they get into porn. But what happens is it becomes a superhighway. Uh, within the business here, we call it the PMO cycle. Porn, masturbation, orgasm cycle. The PMO cycle. And what happens is the more that happens, you know, uh, let's say a young man at, at 10 sees porn and looks at it, you know, once a week. And, and then as he hits puberty and all of a sudden he starts joining those together. What happens over and over, Matt, is, is this, th there's a layering effect. Just like laying uh, repeated uh, wear lines, uh, circuitry in the brain. It's called a neurological pathway. And it becomes a superhighway in the brain that the brain, young brain at 14, 15, 16 has now discovered that this is sex. The brain has now made, mm. that's the snapshot. Mm. So even though at 24, 25, he wants to get married and his wife's just a beautiful lady, his mind is says, well, well, this ain't sex. Sex is what we've been doing for the last uh, 12, 14 years. That's literally what his brain is telling his him. His brain yeah. has actually wired to uh, solo sex, to porn-related sex, or acting out in fantasy towards other people. And of course, it's always easy. He's always the hero. He's always loved. Mm -hmm. It always works perfect. It's always on his time. And of course, that's exactly how marital love is. Uh, no. <laughs> no, it's two people trying to work things out. And it's very complicated compared to just what he was experiencing all those years. So it's it's really addictive and it really creates a neurological pathway that sends him in a direction that's hard to get out of. So when you're talking about like single <clears throat> young adults mm -hmm. um, and then on to getting married and stuff mm -hmm. like that, as a counselor and uh, like you've had these conversations with individuals and couples so often, what are you finding are typical scenarios if, if, if one or 
both individuals are coming into the relationship having been addicted to pornography. Yeah, yeah. And I've done some work where both the uh, the gal and the guy have struggled with porn because uh, we're finding a few more girls looking at porn because they're, they're hearing from the boys that that's what they're doing. So they kind of look to see what's going on and sometimes they get neurologically hooked too as opposed to just curious and seeing and go, oh, I don't know if I want to watch this, right? But, but what we find is young men will say to their fiance, yeah, yeah, I, I, I did struggle with that a bit, but, but I've looked after it. Looked after it means he hasn't looked at it for six weeks. He hasn't looked after yeah. it. He's addicted as he was when he was 14, 15, 16, 18. He might have had a season where he was maybe free for two months and didn't look at porn or masturbate, you know, to his own jollies, as it were. But, but it's so interesting that they, they, they tell him the spouse, oh, good, I'm glad you looked after it. That's literally what I told Emily, and mm-hmm. I believed it. Mm-hmm. Because I'd yeah. had like probably a number of weeks, months of mm-hmm. success. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I have repeated, you know, he told me he was behind, you know, and they're five years in. Or uh, matter of fact, a sad story, um, speaking down in uh, southern Alberta, and uh, a young couple, a year and a half married, uh, says, uh, can we talk to you? And uh, we got some real struggles in our marriage. And sure, let's talk. And, and uh, just the way it worked out, they, they both wanted to talk to me alone. Okay, so I get a half hour with each of them. You know, this was after speaking time. And and uh, she said, I don't know what's wrong with me. He just doesn't love me. He's not interested in me sexually. And this is a, just a beautiful bride. Like, there's, there's, there's no reason why she isn't just being pursued and cherished by this husband of hers in every way, personally and emotionally and sexually. And uh, and she just says, it just feels so terrible. He's, he's not interested in me. And she's just broken, you know, because she has, you know, guys are always into girls and all this, and they're going to be coming at you. And that was, you know, the mental picture she had. Although, remember, the high desire person three quarters of the time is the guy, but one quarter of the time is actually the woman's the higher desire. So mm-hmm. keep that in mind. Don't you just get it in your heads, ladies listening, that if you're the higher desire, there's something wrong with you. That's not true. But go back to this story. He comes to me privately and he says, yeah, he says, uh, our, our sex life is boring. It's, it's just really boring. He said, I would much rather just look at porn and get into something really exciting. And I, it's a lot easier to get the hit that I need, you know. So, I, I, you know, if, if, I, if I didn't have sex with my wife again, that would be just fine. Well, there's the ultimate slam dunk telling story of what addiction does to a person. Yeah. Yeah, so I appreciate you bringing that uh, that that aspect of, of females up because it's actually a bit of a pet peeve of mine, and I've heard it from pastors so often. Is mm-hmm. the, I'm going to talk about porn here for a little bit. There's a guy. I'm talking to the guys. I'm just going to talk to the guys here. This is a guys issue, and what it ends up yeah. doing is, well, one, it isn't true that it's right. simply a guys issue. Right. Percentage wise, it's higher for sure. Yes. So it's not true, but the other part of it is it makes the females who are struggling with this feel even more isolated totally. and even more dirty. Totally. Um, the reality is in such a visual culture mm-hmm. where this has been, you know, intentionally put in places to be found so you can get hooked on porn. Yeah. Um, it's affecting everybody. Yeah. And so yeah. I appreciate you bringing that up. This is for male and female listeners alike. Yes. This is a, this is a huge issue period. Um, our culture is so sexualized and porn is so accessible. So many people are addicted to it. Some of our listeners might actually feel hopeless in it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, can't even conceive of a life without porn yeah. where they wouldn't be hooked, had weeks or months of yeah. victory only to fall again at yeah. some particular yeah. season. And whether it's even possible, I guess a, a, another side of it is in such a sexualized culture where it's everywhere, so easily accessible. Um, some parents might think, like, is it even possible to keep my kids from coming across and mm-hmm. getting addicted to porn themselves? Sure. Sure. Uh, what would you say uh, uh, to folks thinking that way yeah. about yeah. this issue? So, so, so there's really two focuses in your question. And one is just a guy who's been hooked for a long time and he's got this despair thing going, I'll never get out of this. That's where many of the men start that, that we work with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because, you know, they've tried so many times, I'm going to quit this time and, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to stop this. And, you know, they'll do, you know, a couple of intermittent things that feels like, well, that's going to make the difference. And then they relapse again and they just, and they go into despair zone and, uh, matter of fact, just yesterday in the men's group I lead on Tuesday mornings on online, um, I actually talk about the lies addicts tell themselves. Hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, well, like it's just porn. You know, there, there's all those positive sides. You know, where where they're making justification for it, like it's not hurting anybody. What she doesn't know doesn't hurt her, and those kind of lines. But there's also the negative ones that say, I'll never get out of this. Mm-hmm. I, I've prayed and God hasn't answered my prayer. Uh, God could never forgive me. And they have all these scenarios in their mind that are that are really part of the damning uh, uh, inability to move forward because of this, the non-truth that they're carrying, the lies that they're believing. And so so one of the things that, that, that the, the men and the women listening need to know, you can get out of it. First of all, biblically, God says that he will help us through that. There's no temptation that comes to us that isn't common to other people, and God is faithful. He will provide a way out of this. If we just surrender to him, he will give us this way out. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not a, hey, I'm, oh man, three weeks later, it's over. No, it's likely an 18-month journey to really get free of porn. But I tell this story with a lot of passion because we have what I call a thousand-day club. That's men who have been clean from porn a thousand days. That's almost three years. And I got two men already waiting for the next time we can have our breakfast because I buy everybody breakfast in the thousand day club. We welcome the new guys. I got two guys waiting because we can't do the COVID thing right now, right? So we're, we're not having our meetings. I got another guy that's about 60 days away from hitting a thousand. So by the time we can meet again, I already have three guys, you know, ready to go. But you see, these men are getting free from it. The beautiful thing physiologically is that the brain has, it's the only organ of the body that has plasticity. Plasticity means it can actually be reshaped. You can't reshape a heart. You can't reshape a lung. You can't reshape a kidney. You can't reshape any other organ, but the brain actually can relearn and be reshaped. And so that neurological pathway that was so driven by the PMO cycle or acting out in other ways, so driven by your your lusts and your fantasies, can actually be reprogrammed and the brain will actually learn a new pathway that is honoring to God. And that is the hope that we come with. Yes, it is a huge addiction. And yes, we can say it is a sin. But it, but, but it's also a, an emotional addiction. It's a dependency that I have in my, my heart and mind that I, I really can't get off this. And we tell these lies to ourselves. Why I did the talk yesterday. Because all the lies that people tell themselves that just says, well, I'm stuck here. It'll never change. It's not that bad and all those things. And so, so there's the one side about people looking at it if they feel they've struggled. I'd like to enter in and say there is hope. Hmm. But we should like to talk a little bit about the parents thing, eh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I yeah. think there's a lot of parents that are like, yeah. how do I navigate oh my this world? I'm yeah. one of them. Yeah, yeah. How old are your boys? 11 and almost nine. Oh my goodness. Okay. This Buy, is- buying filters, trying to put <laughs> parental stuff on yeah. devices. Yeah. It's like yeah. a part-time job. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and listen. Talk regularly with my kids, yeah. just like, hey, yeah. you seen anything? Buddy's yeah. showing you stuff. Yeah. You can always talk to me. So, so if you if you go to our website, uh, doingfamilyright.com, and you type in the word naked pictures. Now, yeah, on my website, don't type it in elsewhere. Into Google. Yeah, don't type it into Google. Go to my website. But I have an article called Naked Pictures. Why? Because the porn industry comes to our kids without being invited. It pops up all over the place because they want to get kids hooked. And so what they do is they actually, uh, if, uh, and this is a true story, uh, the United Nations and uh, the government of um, Sweden are two sites that were hijacked by porn people. So what happens is uh, every year you got to, you know, uh, pay your 15 bucks or whatever to keep your URL for your website. Okay, and so I always pay for it for five years, so I don't have to worry about it. But if you let that relapse, it becomes available, and some people can actually buy that website. And if you click on, for instance, un.com or whatever it was, or the government of Sweden, it went right to porn. Oh my God. Because they are trying to get people hooked in in all kinds of ways. So all kinds of little kitty games, kids will, kids will spell something wrong. So the porn industry actually gets the wrong spelling of, you know, uh, uh, what, what is it called? Pandabear.com, which is a kid's thing. So they'll put pundabear.com, pindabear.com, or, you know, some other weird spelling because you type it wrong and push enter, and it's now, whoa, what is this? Yep. They, they are after our kids. Well, it's like uh, being in COVID, right? The Zoom bombing that was happening earlier on, where they hack into 
Zoom conversations going on and yeah. show explicit porn. And yeah. kids were on some of these Zoom calls and yeah. school classes and stuff. Yeah. It's just yeah. unbelievable. And so, so, so what happens is, uh, parents, uh, if you're listening, I love you, uh, but this, this. Naked pictures is a discussion you have to have with kids that are six and a half, seven, seven and a half, eight. Yep. Before you have the full talk about porn by age nine, by the way, um, the, the, the kids are going to run into naked pictures. And they know naked because, oh, look, you run around naked. You know, they're running around after a bath when they're two and three. And they know the word, you know, naked, you know, cover yourself, you know, whatever. And modesty and all that. So, so it, it, it's not a negative word. But, but what happens is we... I have an article about how parents can protect their kids when they inadvertently run into naked pictures. And so, so, so there's the first thing. For years and years, Matt, I used to coach parents, you need to have a talk to your kids about sexuality, including the porn thing, before age 11. And I'll tell you that I chose that because usually in grade five in school, they had the full kind of physiological sex talk by the teacher. And I wanted the kids to have the values and the perspective of the parents downloaded into their heart before they had the talk in school. Okay. And so for years, I just said, you know, uh, you know, eight by age 11. Well, the problem is porn is coming to the kids before it, it gets talked about yep. in school. And so, so you know, Covenant Eyes, a wonderful ministry that that helps uh, by filtering questionable material on phones and computers, etc. I have it on my uh, computer. Yep, got it on all my stuff. Yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and it protects like my grandkids can't get on my computer and accidentally get to anything questionable because it'll block them. Uh, but but they have done their research, and the average age that little boys are now getting into porn is nine and a half. And because of that, the last about seven or eight years, I've now changed from age 11. It's got to go down to yeah. age nine. Well, you, you want to set the terms on the conversation before they, yeah. they find yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And matter, that's tricky. Yeah. Matter of fact, Matt, uh, there's an article on my website. Uh, I actually have seven articles on how to do the sex talk. Nice. Even, even podcasts on talking to your kids about porn. But, but the one article I think is maybe my best in this series is... The second one called creating a framework, you know, teaching your kids about a sexual framework, mm -hmm. and 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 so picture, you know, in some what I would call when I grew up, the older dentist office had this oak uh, frame uh, coat rack in the corner, and you would come in, you'd hang your parkas and you know scarves and stuff on this corner coat rack in the corner, right? And 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 so what happens is when done well, every topic that a kid's going to hear on the playground. There's a place on the coat rack, you know, I mean, someone brings up, oh, I know what that's where it is. My dad that said that's for the female anatomy part. We shouldn't use that word. That's slang. We know what word that is, right? Uh, that word there, that's another bad word. Dad said that. Or, you know, there, there, there's other things, you know, what when they hear the word masturbation for the first time. Well, oh no, dad talked about that. And there's a place to hang yep. all the stuff yep. they're going to hear yep. on the coat rack that dad did for the boys and mom did for the girls so that this framework is there is nothing that they'll run into that we haven't got a place for them to hang it that it makes sense. Mm -hmm. And it's such a wise thing to do. Yeah. It's a very nuanced conversation. I agree 100%. And I think the age needs to be young. It's such a nuanced conversation because sometimes parents' attempts to have the sex talk kind of comes off as like, I'm going to freak these kids out about it, or I'm going to talk about sex and I'm going to talk about it in negative terms. Right. Stay away from it. This is a, like, this is not for you. Uh, I've done premarital counseling and met with couples in our church, just being a pastor long enough. Um, there's this other side of it, which is, they were told it was bad, bad, bad yes, for so yes. long. They get married, and now all of a sudden it's supposed to be a good, 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 and they can't flip that yeah, switch. Exactly. And so it's a nuanced conversation in the sense that like, uh, we want to be able to set the parameters as parents and as Christian parents and to say, sex is good. It's yes, made by God. Yes, yes. It's a wonderful thing. Yes. It's uh, you know for a man and a woman and having this conversation and talking about it in those terms yes. and then also building in the, the guards and yes. stuff like that. And it's helpful yeah. with the coat rack thing and just talking about 
just educating them on what stuff is that they can place it and figure it out. And, oh, dad knows about this stuff. Yes. Um, Some good advice I got and I'm I'm trying to instill in my boys is um, to talk about it. And I I want my boys to stay away from porn. Mm-hmm. And and I want to do everything I can sure. to keep them from. And I, I tell them that. Yeah. And I also try and reiterate with them and say, if you see naked pictures mm-hmm. or videos, mm-hmm. come tell me. Mm-hmm. I will be so proud of you. Yes. And say, um, try and create that environment where it's on. That's on me, and so you yes. can feel safe. So yes. I want to apologize to my boys if if they come across that and say, yes. "Dad let you down." Yes, and come yes. to me and let me know that Dad yes. let you down. Yes, um, I'll be so proud of you. Yes, and and that yes. actually changes the changes the dynamic of the conversation yes. where it's unspoken. I don't think Mom and Dad even know what masturbation is. They've never talked to me about it, yeah. so I can't talk to them about it. Right. Or I saw something and I feel excited, but I also feel ashamed. Yeah, and I'm just going to keep this private, or I'm just going to tell my buddies, but I'm yeah. not going to talk to Dad. Yeah. It's, it's creating that environment. I, <laughs> Emily and I wonder sometimes if we've like talked to much about it because like it's a regular dinner time conversation where they're like what does this word mean we're like whoa <laughs> yeah but it's open like yes. you kind of want that at yeah. the same time but yeah dinner conversations are lively in yeah. the sean's just, household these days <laughs> let, let me let me just just say to you matt that we could co-edit a magazine for parents on talking to kids about the struggle with porn hmm. because what you said is the heart of the naked pictures article Cool. It's the heart of it. That that when I when I talk to kids about sex, because I have traveled for years and done that, or even I have a talk, what porn is doing to your future sex life and marriage. Yeah, that's how that's I, I, so it, helpful. It's a, but well, here's how I, I started. I said, let's get the, the facts straight. Yep. God created sex and he wants your future sex life and marriage to be awesome. Hmm. And I say, kids, it's amazing. And I'm an old guy, but it's amazing. And I want you to know you're a jeepa. Yeah, I'm a jeepa. But yeah. but here's what's crazy: they, they they can they can say, "Oh, listen, don't go there." And so it has this this as you said nuance of there's something wrong with it or it's bad, right? And 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 I want them to hear, no, listen, God created sex. Yeah. But what happens is the enemy tries to pervert it and sidetrack it in all kinds of different complicated ways, yeah. right? And even your line about it's my fault. I, I, at least every two months, a parent comes forward and says, Dave, we got a problem. Uh, what's that? We just found our 11-year-old looking at porn. I says, okay, what do we do? I says, well, it's your approach right now that's going to make the difference. Yes. And the approach is this. You go home to your kid and you say, I'm really sorry that you're looking at that as on me. It's my fault. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Hmm. We didn't protect you. We didn't coach you. We didn't teach you uh, well enough. And, and it's all on me. I'm sorry. There's no shame on you. It's all on me. Yeah. And, and, and you, know, you know, there's a lot of curiosity to, to understand sexuality and there's a lot of junk out there. So, so something as beautiful as God created, we, we need to talk to you about so that you get a good, healthy perspective on it. But uh, yeah, so, so there's lots of, uh, lots of uh, articles and podcasts on our website that, that can help parents in this whole journey of talking to kids about sex. And even the specific one, what do you do if your kids start looking at porn? How do you handle that? That's there in detail too. I was uh, 10 years old, so I'll give away my age here. I guess I was like 1992, something mm-hmm. like that. And uh, my dad prof- was a professor, and he had a sabbatical year, and he was studying in Germany. So our whole family uprooted and spent a year in Germany in my grade five year, 10 years old. And Europe's just different, or at least it was, right? So we'd be watching TV, and it wouldn't be a shampoo commercial of the woman's head and her hair. It would be her whole body. On my way to school every day on the bus, there would be a fragrance, this huge fragrance billboard, and it was like a topless woman. And I was 10 years old, and it was unspoken. We'd never talk about this stuff, and uh, I would just see it. And I'd be, you know, probably was just gawking yes. at it, right? But you're not know, really having a framework for that, yes. but being that was my first exposure in that year, right? And so um, the, the fact that that was in the early 90s before the dawn of like internet traffic yes. and porn sites. And so you're, you're talking about ages and stuff. I think about my boys as like, yeah, 11 and nine. And if I first saw it at 10 in the 90s, um, you know, I, it just, we need to be having these conversations and yes. wisely. And I think what we've yes. just talked about in terms of, um, how we respond 
will either create uh, a distance and our kids not wanting to come to us or thinking mm-hmm. they can. Mm-hmm. Mom and dad are mad at me, angry at me. I did something bad. Right. Or setting the table and saying, we love you. Thank yeah. you for talking about it. Let's yeah. talk more and yeah. let's set up an environment that's yeah. is so important. Yeah. That's a critical yeah. thing I'd want parents to hear. Yeah. It says in Psalm 119, how can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? I'd love yeah. to just talk as, as followers of Jesus. How, how does... How does our, our Christian faith mm. intersect mm-hmm. with the concept of pornography? Yeah, uh, that exact verse uh, talks about, uh, just in the context there, it says, uh, and thy word, your word I've hid in my heart mm-hmm. that I might not sin against you. And so what happens yeah. is, the more I lay down God's truth in my heart, in my mind, the more I understand that, that God has a plan for my purity. One of the talks I, I did to a bunch of men one time that was quite, I thought, profound was, compassion and purity coexist. Because you see, God tells me I need to be a man who's pure, and God tells me that passion you know, towards my wife is a good thing. But, but how does passion and purity coexist? And because God created both. He desires our purity. He also created the passions that we enjoy. And so, so, so in this journey, I, I think what happens is the, the, the young man, young woman, the, even the older person, I'm actually working with someone battling with porn and struggling who's 76 right now too. And it's been in his life a long time. So there's another lie or myth. It's like, I'll just age out of this. Yeah, 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 you'll grow out of this. Uh, Not likely. But but I think what happens is God understands our complexities more than we understand our complexities. Hmm. And God God at the heart knows that we struggle with things. And there's, there's this overwhelming understanding we need to have that God loves me and actually wants to see my freedom. And he approaches it from coming alongside and says, come come on, Dave, come on, Matt, let me help you beyond this, right? Uh, This isn't good for you. It's not good for your marriage. Uh, It's not good for your your future. Uh, Let's work beyond this. And and, and I honestly thought... um, uh, you know, when I was a teenager and struggling with, you know, just the, the growing up discovery of the masturbation and fantasy thoughts and all, because the very hyper-conservative uh, church I was from that would talk so negatively about sex, like it's wrong, it's bad, it's of the devil. Okay, seriously, I heard that. So I'm thinking, well, holy man, I, I really thought that the Lord would send a train off the tracks and my, my, my house wasn't nowhere near any trains. But I literally figured on my walk to school today, <laughs> today's the day that the Lord will send a train off the tracks, come down my street and run me over. Or a plane will fall out of the sky and kill me because I'm the only one in the world that mm. struggles with this. And I'm the lousiest Christian in the world. And all I was was a 15-year-old kid wanting to follow Jesus. And no one had coached me about how to handle my sexual passion. Nobody wow. coached me. Yeah. I love mom and dad, but the only thing I got from my dad, uh, they're both of Jesus, was when I was in grade five going down to the school to, uh, you know, skate around, you know, in the Friday night evening skate and maybe hold a little grade five girl's hand. My dad would say this, no messing around, son. No messing around. And I was supposed to know what that meant. Fill in all the gaps. Fill in all the gaps. There was my sexual training. No messing around. That was it. Okay. So I ain't going to tell my dad anything. Pat on know, the back and oh, send him a, oh, yeah, it was yeah. good we had that talk. Yeah, that was, yeah, I had the talk, right? And so so I just want, I want people to to walk in. You know, here's what's encouraging. If, if, if King David had the affair with Bathsheba and had her husband murdered, that's a real sinister, sinful mess. Yep. And it was after that that God says, here's a man after my own heart. Yep. So there isn't a person listening who hasn't done something that God can't forgive. And so, so I want you to know that, that God starts from the premise, I love you, I understand your garbage, I will love you through this. Come to me, all you who are burdened with your porn and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will help you through mm-hmm. this. Yeah, we begin to believe a lie if we think we're beyond grace. Like, grace has no limits. That's the beauty of the gospel. Grace meets the humble and needy in their distress. Yes. We can say to Jesus, my record is a mess. Your your record is perfect. I need your grace. And, And I think what we find there is in our desperation, in our need, in mm-hmm. our, is we find forgiving grace mm-hmm. 
And if we seek it, we found find empowering grace yes. to help us in the battle. Yes. Victory, fighting sin. Yeah. And, and like you say, 18 months, kind of giving it a timeline. Let's be real about this. Yes. Don't say a pithy prayer in, in the dark one night, not do anything else about That's it right. and expect right. God will just fix me now. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the, you know, you talked about being that 15 year old kid and there's something about pornography too. And, and uh, this idea that not just porn, but sin, sin mm. in the dark, yes. it thrives. Yes. And the devil loves that. That's right. And so, um, kind of a, for a context for this, just, just in your own life, mm-hmm. those who might be listening, um, if you're if you're battling porn, um, just an encouragement to kind of rehearse the gospel. Mm-hmm. Rehearse the gospel in the sense of like Jesus died for me, yes, um, for sins like this one that I'm experiencing, mm-hmm. um, and come and, and seek repentance. That kind of yeah. examine uh, your pattern of sin. Um, you know, you look at okay, what what are the circumstances? Am I feeling like oh, kind of. Uh, Bored, slighted, lonely, by, slighted by my spouse, yeah, yeah. bored, yeah. exactly. Boredom is what leads a lot of people to work. Or the pattern is, um, you've talked about this before. It's like, oh, it seems to be late at night when you're 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 up and it's it's, it's always at this time or yeah. it's these scenarios. Yeah. Kind of examine your pattern of sin, unfiltered access, those kinds of things. And what are some yeah. ways that you could start to combat that? But the other and third piece of it, which I think is really hard for people to do, especially in the church when we know mm-hmm. this, this stuff is sin, is to actually confess it. And, and and like porn thrives when it's secret sin. So yes. confess it to God and confess it to someone else. Exactly right. Is absolutely huge. Um, but there's hope. There's grace. There's forgiving grace. And there's also it, uh, yeah, like I said, uh, mm-hmm. the kind of in grace that empowers us to fight this stuff. Exactly. Um, you know, it says in First Corinthians, you were washed. You were cleansed. Mm-hmm. You've been sanctified, justified. Yeah. Um, that's the truth of the gospel, and 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 porn is not beyond mm-hmm. that. Um, one one more thing, I'm going to give some practical. Invite you to give some practical steps at the end. Some some sure. responses people can have. But what would you say to the the spouse who you talked about that one scenario where the two the two individuals the yeah. couple, couple came yeah. to you one at a time? But what would you say to the hurting spouse who's feeling rejected and has a spouse who's yeah. uh, wrapped up in this? Yeah, give me give me twenty seconds to just affirm what you said yeah, earlier, and then I'll I'll just really love those. Affirm uh, those me all you want, Dave. Yeah, I love exactly. But but people struggling with porn have to break the silence. Hmm. When I speak at men's retreats, you know, I might speak you know Saturday morning at the retreat about the struggle with porn and lust and all, and I say before the night is out, break the silence to tell someone, because power grows in secret. And if I keep the secret, I will keep stuck. I have to break the power. That's why all the one another passages in the Bible are there. Yeah. We always say men make men. Okay. We mm-hmm. need other people to be wingmen, we call them, who are going to walk with me through this. And once we get over the shame and the, the sense of regret and failure and realize that other men are struggling... Like I thought at 15, I was the only kid that had this battle in the world, only realized it was likely 95% had the battle, but no one was talking about it. And that's the beauty of reaching out and breaking the silence. So I just so agree with what you said there. Partners, you're a spouse of a man who's struggling with porn. And uh, you might catch him, or you might ask, and you see the look on his face, you know he's still struggling with it. It might even be more complicated because uh, you you, uh, you know that he's acting out not just with himself, but maybe outside the marriage or online with some connecting with people. And who knows? It's just, there's so many variations of the hurt that's possible. Mm-hmm. Women uh, whose husbands are struggling, you're experiencing what's called partner betrayal trauma. The unfaithfulness uh, due to his addiction uh, you know, I'm not a porn addict. Well, okay. You have a sexual preoccupation then. Um, but but the point is, uh, women, it just feels so uh, rejecting. It feels so minimizing. It feels like there's something wrong with you. And and uh, and, and it's just, you know, you're not being pursued. and Or, 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 the, or the sex feels all about him. And there's... The, the, the level of hurts that, that, that women can carry... Uh, and you know it's really tough because the addiction of this man it's not about them it's not their fault these women it wouldn't matter who he would have married he has to work this out with somebody and so so because you know let's just say age 12 he got hooked into porn and he got married at 26 so that's 14 years of the addiction and then at 29 30 it kind of comes out that he's still struggling with this and it's not over 
Well, by then, he's already 16, 18 years having looked at porn. And so it's not going to be a, you know, a, a stiff talking to one day and it's over. It's going to be a journey for him to get out of that. And it hurts you bad. I tried to explain recently to a group of women because I have a program called Purge, which is all about partner encouragement recovery group experience. We teach women in a crash course Friday, all day Saturday, 11 hours of teaching how to stand or work through this hurt you have and then or learn to stand with your husband through this hellish thing. But I described it recently as you've been in the car with your husband. You've even been warning him about slowing down. You're driving a little fast. You're a little reckless on this. And of course, I'm talking about the marital faithfulness and all. And and the car rolls and you're upside down in the ditch and you're, you're bleeding and busted and everything. And it wasn't your fault. You weren't driving. And he wasn't listening to the, to the, the to worries. And now you have this crazy marital car wreck because of this addiction. And, and, and so uh, it wasn't your fault. And, and you're not to blame, but you have incredible healing that you're going to have to go through and work through. Mm-hmm. So w- women who are listening, go to the website and purge. Just type in the word purge and you'll find a support group that meets Tuesday nights to help partners of men who are struggling with porn or sexual addiction. That's really helpful. Um, it's not all bad news. In 2019, uh, in Christianity Today, uh, Lyman Stone wrote an article called Conservative Protestant Men Are Still Resisting Porn, and actually was encouraged by some statistics that were showing, like, if you are committed, not mm-hmm. nominal, but committed yes. follower of Jesus, yes. regular attender in church, uh, you know, when, when we could do such mm-hmm. things. Um, the statistics are actually lower. Right. That being said, so there's encouragement there, but that being said... It's an issue in the church like it is everywhere. 100%. Um, I was at a men's retreat that you were speaking at years ago. And probably the line I remember uh, most clearly was you were saying, it was an indictment. You were saying the reason more men aren't serving in the church and yes. leading in the church is because they're secretly addicted to porn. That's right. Can you expand right. on that? Yeah. And you know what? I'd be more convinced than ever talking whatever 10 years later or more longer because I look into the men's eyes who I look at them and so much about them is good. He's got a good heart. He loves Jesus. You can Mm. see it. Mm. But there's this grip on him, like a power grip that he can't get out of. And so he's not going to lead a care group. Because the truth is, he feels like a sham. He hasn't dealt with this, and he's, he doesn't know how. No one talks about it. It's so you know anathema to open up about these things, and so where do you do that? So these men, they live in silence, trying to battle porn on their own, and they will not step into leadership because they feel like, well, I don't, I don't deserve to be there. I'm struggling with this. And, and so these are really good men that, that, uh, that, that, that they need to address this like any other issue in a person's life. It's not the unpardonable. Uh, it is an addiction, so it's a mix between sin and addiction and even the, the psychological draw of it, uh, not just the physiological draw. It's complicated to get out of that because of this huge grip, and I'm just grabbing my wrist like a, you would grab a toddler at the side of the road when you're going to cross the street. You you grab that grip and you won't let go. That's what the addiction is, and so, so many men are hesitant to serve and don't even lead their families well. Sometimes don't even feel like they do, have a right to pray. Because they don't like being this hypocrite. Deal with it. Deal with it. Yeah. And God wants to use you. Amen. Amen. This conversation has been so rich, Dave. You're such mm-hmm. a rich resource on this stuff. Uh, for for those who are listening, who are local in the Fraser Valley, you're, you're in Abbotsford, got a ministry based out of there. Um, you, you've talked about some of the some of the things you put on, some of the courses and and helps. Can you just describe a little bit more for those that are uh, whether it's they themselves or they have a spouse who's addicted sure. or they're sure. just they're they're trying to wrestle this stuff um, as parents. Just some resources for them. Yeah, yeah. A really interesting story. Um, uh, a lady heard about our program in a province a couple away in Saskatchewan, and she she uh, reached out and said, "We need help in our marriage." Really serious sexual addiction my husband has, and uh, and uh, as as things ricocheted around, um, the the daughter-in-law reached out to her mother-in-law, so that her husband's mom, and told that she was getting help from us. And just this week, the mom reached out with her husband, and her line to me was, "I'm a I'm married to a man who's addicted, and through all this mess, both of our boys are addicted. We need help as a family." 
and and so so it, we we pass on the garbage to the next generation without even talking about it. Hmm. It was normalized in one home to some degree, and both boys are addicted. I'm working with two generations now, so it, it's it's doingfamilyright.com. Um, you know, we have uh, people trained on our staff to to counsel people through uh, the problem of sexual addiction. Uh, you know, uh, by fall there will be four of us who have our certification as a sexual recovery therapist or coach, um, and uh, we have three different groups that meet for men every week to help them through uh, the recovery. We have a group for women partners uh, called Purge and, and a psychoeducational seminar that we offer a couple times a year to do crash course for partners. Uh, so counseling is available. Resources, uh, we're resource rich, all kinds of podcasts, videos, articles on everything you want to ask, uh, we, we talk about. And uh, we're not the only thing, you know, around. There's other places that you can get help from. But I want you to know that uh, there's trusted, God-honoring, help uh, at doingfamilyright.com on all things on recovery. Yeah, you guys are world class and it's great to have you in our neck of the woods. Mm -hmm. And uh, not only that, I just want listeners to know um, you touched on the one another's and, and that's a huge aspect of all of this. You yes. are not alone in this. Yes. As an individual, as a couple, as parents. Yes. Um, reach out your local church cares. We want to walk this stuff through with you want to, to help you, want to serve you, uh, want to encourage you. And then resources like Doing Family Right are just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Dave, I'm going to sort out my footwear <laughs> issue. <laughs> and then I'd love to uh, see you on the links sometime. Good. Redeem, good. redeem myself. Yeah, well, you'll have a lot of work to redeem yourself, but I, <laughs> but I love you. I love you. And I'd golf with you any day. And we can hack and whack away around there. And I just want to say one thing to close, Matt. Uh, I love your heart to love your people. Yeah, thanks. I love your heart to speak truth. I love your heart to love well and be open to talk about complicated things. And, and we shouldn't be ashamed to talk about what God wasn't ashamed to create. So, so that when you talk openly about this, I'm just proud of you as a big brother of the Lord. And, and, and Central, you got a good pastor here. Treat him well. <laughs> Treat him well. Treat him well in Jesus' name. Thanks. Go to doingfamilyright.com to learn more about how Dave and his team can support you in your desire for relational wholeness with God and others. A couple of quick updates about Deep Thoughts before we go. First, there are no more seasons to the podcast. Instead, episodes will be released every two to three weeks or so. In addition, we're going to be releasing short episodes called A Deep Thought. That'll be just that. A deep thought on some aspect of the Christian faith, typically in like five minutes or less. Those will be on occasion and will fill some of the gaps between full-length episodes. Finally, on the topic of full-length episodes, I'm thrilled to let you know that Rebecca McLaughlin will be on the podcast to talk about Confronting Christianity, which was named the 2020 Beautiful Orthodoxy Book of the Year by Christianity Today. And we'll also talk about her forthcoming book, 10 Questions Every Teen Should Ask and Answer About Christianity. Now, I've got to be honest with you, I wrote Rebecca requesting an interview um, every season of the podcast I've done. I wrote her every season hoping she'd be on, and I actually, I never got a response until recently. She apologized for not getting back to me because she was in writing mode and wasn't responding to email. I apologize for hounding her. <laughs> and we had a fantastic conversation that I can't wait to share with you next time on Deep Thoughts. Talk to you then. Very deep. Thank you.